Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. I want to welcome you to our special series of Money Sense, specifically dedicated to providing valuable information regarding the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. For nearly 30 years, I have been helping listeners learn how to relate many of life's situations to their finances. This pandemic has caused wide-scale disruption in nearly every sector of our lives. No matter your personal situation, we strive to meet you where you are at, both financially and emotionally. Our guests during this series include a futurist, economist, physician, psychologist, as well as local Milwaukee business professionals to get their perspective on how you can apply their insight and expertise to your financial future. This important series will be aired on WISN AM 1130 during our regular Money Sense times, which are Saturdays at 2 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at noon. They will also be available on demand at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We hope you will find these informative and be sure to share them with your family and your friends. My guest today is Timothy Sheehy, is the president of Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce, and he also serves on the board of the Milwaukee Development Corporation. He is chairs the Milwaukee Economic Development Corporation. He's a past chair of the Association Chamber of, of Commerce. He serves as director of the State and Wisconsin Investment Board. He also serves on boards of the Milwaukee College Prep and Rocket Chick Community Schools, Teach for America. And I could go on and on and on. And my point in doing this is to tell you that he really has got his fingers in a lot of pies in Milwaukee. And I think he's just the perfect person to really address some of the issues that Milwaukee itself is facing, some of the businesses, the schools. And so, Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me on. You know, Tim, as I said earlier, this is really your show because I think that you have um, the pulse of what's going on in our community. And we do hear things on the news relative to what's going on in the world. And we hear snippets, of course, on our own local news. And you do um, something for the uh, members of the MMAC every single night as an update, but the general population doesn't always get to hear from you. So I'm wondering if you could give us an overview of what you see is happening in our community. Sure, Karen. I think the, the um, just kind of starting from a perspective, um, MMAC is a 159-year-old organization. And so I always remind myself that somebody was sitting in my chair during the Civil War, during the Spanish flu, during two world wars and through countless recessions. And so this has clearly been the most challenging time for me as a leader in the 40 years I've been doing this. Um, but I recognize that this is um, a period that's come uh, after lots of really challenging times. And I think as you do in the investment world, it pays to keep this in perspective. Um, but it has uh, been one of the biggest um, social messes or wicked problems uh, that we have ever seen uh, in terms of uh, its impact on Milwaukee. And so when I think about what we're all trying to do, which is to balance um, health, safety, community, and economy with reasoned policy decisions, that's why I call it such a wicked problem because it's tough to balance all those. Um, and they're not competing interests, they're interrelated interests. 
but it has really been a challenge to find the right policy lane as a state um, to deal with the COVID crisis and um, not try to tr trade lives for the economy. But again, stepping back and looking at the investment world that you're deeply engaged in, when, when you see an economy like Wisconsin's take a 30% dip in its gross domestic product, it shakes everybody's confidence. And then you combine that with a COVID-19 and a disease that isn't really transparent. People are unsure how about how it's transmitted. You've got people on furlough, you've got people with sick parents, and you roll that all up and it becomes a very stressful situation for the entire community. When I think about some of the things that are happening, you talk about the economy, it's really unfortunate and sad to think I live downtown that I'm not gonna be able to walk over to Bastille Days and all of those different things. But when you think about the impact that the events, the, the events that are gonna be lacking, what's that gonna to do to our city? Um, all the restaurants and all the venues that, that are supported by these huge events. Yeah, and I'll go back to the comment about the 30% decline in Wisconsin's GDP. Only about 5% of that decline is due to businesses that were closed uh, under the safer at home ordinance. The other 25% of the decline is due to COVID, but it's really due to employee and consumer confidence um, and the decisions that they're making. So nobody closed a hotel, nobody closed an airline, um, but the, the consumer is concerned about uh, traveling, eating out, staying in a hotel and doing those types of things. So that's where you see that impact. And when I bring that back to Milwaukee, this was clearly our summer of bright lights and big stage. Uh, we had the potential of an NBA championship, and hopefully that'll come back. We had uh, the DNC, of course, the largest political event that's uh, held uh, every four years, and we had the Ryder Cup. Um, and the lights haven't gone out on all of those, but they're certainly flickering. Uh, and so as we look at the impact of not having uh, a, a full-blown DNC convention, maybe not having an NBA season, and maybe not having a Ryder Cup, uh, those all have a big economic impact on the community. But again, in large part, I think due to the confidence of the consumer who isn't ready yet to go out to a restaurant, stay in a hotel and travel. And so some of this is short term to be sure, but some of this I think is a permanent change in how our economy functions, again, based on consumer and employee confidence. I know that I have talked to so many small businesses in, in Milwaukee. They were kind of on the edge before all this happened. What is Milwaukee going to be able to do to support them or to help them? We have had Wendy Bauman from WIPIC on. We've had other speakers talking about ways that you know, biz starts, ways that small businesses can get help. Particularly, I think there's going to be a lot of new startups with people recognizing new things that needed, are needed in our community. But how, is the, how are you going to be able to support some of those businesses that are just at the critical edge of either opening their doors or shutting their doors? Really good question, Karen. And, and one of the things that we look at is, I think every business needs to approach and the ones that are successful have approached this in a parallel strategy, not a sequential strategy. And so at first we had the crisis, then we have recovery, and then we have the next normal. And I think where we are right now is moving from recovery into the next normal. 
And I know what we're doing uh, in particular is we have a toolkit for companies called Smart Restart Smart Business. And it's a toolkit for companies so they can put in place the protocols and the procedures they need to make sure their employees are safe, their customers are safe, and the physical workplace is clean. And that's something that we're going to have to deal with. Any business that's going to operate for the next 12 or 18 months is going to have to really have a well thought out strategy uh, for addressing how they're going to deal again with customers, employees, and their workplace. And that's going to be important again as employees return from jobs that they're doing remotely and as customers interface with businesses. The financial piece is also very challenging. PPP program, Wisconsin did very well. I think we finished in the top 10 in terms of the number of PP funding per capita that came to Wisconsin. But again, through July as furloughs end, we've got a lot of people out of the work, workforce and are those jobs going to be there when they come back? And then the last thing is just to talk on some of, about some of the permanent changes. Even though we no longer have the restrictions of safer at home, I think we're going to be well into the fall before companies start bringing their employees that can work, work remotely back to their offices, which means fewer people eating out downtown. And I think companies are really going to hold off on their travel well into the fall, which is going to affect airlines, uh, rental cars, gasoline prices, and everything else. And I think some of that change, quite frankly, is permanent. There won't be as much travel. Think People will think very carefully about it unless it's essential. So again, we have to look at what's short-term and what is permanently going to change how the economy operates, both as a challenge and as an opportunity. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I, a question that I'm always, I always think about in, in terms of myself, it's like, what keeps you up at night? around the whole COVID, <laughs> you know, what is, what's keeping you up at night? And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Tim Sheehy. He is the president of the Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce, the MMAC. And we have been talking about the city of Milwaukee and the impact of COVID-19. And just before we took the break, I asked Steve, I asked Tim the question, what keeps you up at night? You know, what are the things that, um, that you worry about, the things that seem to be so big hurdles to get over? Well, I, I think like any business, uh, <laughs> what you hate more than anything is uncertainty. Um, if I know a problem, I can deal with it. If I see an opportunity, I can deal with it. But what COVID has done, COVID-19 and the pandemic, has created a lot of uncertainty uh, in terms of um, how businesses are going to operate, uh, industries that are impacted, what's going to come back, what's not going to come back. Um, and so I try to every day uh, think about what FDR said, uh, who led us through the Great Depression and World War II. And he had a statement he made that smooth seas never make a skilled sailor. Um, and so um, I try not to stay up at night. I just try to hone my sailing skills um, and feel like this is a time uh, where um, we need to do that. Um, and try to reduce as much uncertainty as we can. And so when, what keeps me up at night again is just narrowing that uncertainty out of the vision of, of what we need to do to move forward in serving our members. Um, and again, I'm reminded that this is a resilient community. Uh, it's been a resilient organization and we're gonna get through 
Um, and so, um, again, it's the uncertainty that keeps me up. You know, Tim, we have over 22,000, it might even be more than that, charities in Wisconsin. And I know that they're always working really hard to make a difference every single day. And the charities have been hit specifically very hard with this as well as all businesses. And they're the ones that are always helping out with things with the homeless and, and different things like that, where people have the, the different support groups that they would normally go to. I'm, I'm wondering how are we gonna be able to help them with social distancing with some of the different places where people can go to eat and they can go and get showers and they can go to get, take care, get taken care of. How is that gonna unfold? Well, again, it is going to be a challenge um, when we see um, the unemployment filings uh, that we've seen that have wiped out uh, most of the job gains nationally uh, over the last decade. Uh, when I look at the unemployment filings in Wisconsin, which are 15 times higher than they were at the same time last year, and you recognize that two-thirds of uh, the economy is driven by consumer spending, that's why I keep hearkening back to building consumer confidence, because that's what's going to drive the economy. And as the economy comes back, that's what refills uh, personal coffers. It's what refills the corporate foundation coffers. Um, and those are the, those are important revenue sources uh, for all the good charitable organizations that are working in the community. So again, it just really puts a spotlight on the importance of the economy and how it functions and the impact that has on our um, social structure and social net in this community. The other thing, of course, we want to recognize is the impact on state and local governments. Uh, Wisconsin has a statutory responsibility to balance its budget. That's gonna be exceedingly challenging this year. And then I look at the city and county governments and the services that they provide, they're also gonna be challenged because they've had a lot less revenue, tax revenue coming in uh, with the downturn in the economy. Um, and so again, it's really just gonna put an emphasis on uh, finding the right ways to um, release those resources to the folks that are most in need. Uh, and again, while COVID's contributed to that, it doesn't remove a lot of the challenges that we had pre-COVID. I'm wondering in terms of, we've heard a lot about many of the um, underserved communities have had more COVID exposure and have had an impact from that. How is the city going to take a look at that going forward so that in the event when, I guess, we have something else that comes along, we'll have better services and be better prepared for that. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right. The uh, COVID impact has hit very hard on the north side of Milwaukee, uh, in the African-American community, on the south side in the Hispanic community. And part of that has to do with you know health issues in those communities, population density. Those are really critical factors to the impact and the spread. And so what we need to do again as a community is to keep moving forward to eliminate the disparities that exist in this community. COVID hasn't uncovered those disparities, it's just heightened them again. 
And, and so the focus on what we can do again to get people uh, back into the workforce to make sure that we're getting our young folks educated and prepared to go into work and then focusing a lot of the relief coming from the federal and state government into the testing, tracing, and tracking and healthcare in those communities, I think would be a good way uh, to try to use the COVID crisis to address some of the disparities that are there. I know that you work very closely with those communities, and it's the communication that I think is so important to get to people. And one of the, one of the things I recognized this year was that one of the resources that we use for communication are the churches and the synagogues and the different, you know, the different religious means where people come together in community and they effectively have someone at the pulpit that they trust that's going to pass information. This is the first time that the churches were closed down, which was a huge channel uh, pipeline for information. And so many people didn't, didn't have the communication skills to get it someplace else. So is there any thought on how these types of things might in the future be communicated, such as when churches and things are totally shut down? I mean, we've never experienced anything like that. Uh, no, we haven't. And again, if you look at the guidelines, especially in the city of Milwaukee, um, it's going to be a while before gatherings of more than 50 people are going to come back into play. And so that's going to continue to affect um, you know, churches and synagogues and other ways in which people worship and, and get information. And I know some of them are going to work on more frequent basis so they can kind of move groups of people through their, their places of worship and still meet the guidelines. So that is clearly a challenge, as is the communication vehicles in the city. Many of us are used to relying on what we're doing right now, which is a Zoom conference to, to put on a radio program. But as you look across the community, access to internet, speed, connectability, and the disparity that exists there. And as we go forward again, that's one of those pinch points. That's one of those weaknesses that we're going to have to figure out how to address to give people the tools to get information through the internet without kind of gathering socially, as long as that becomes a, a challenge uh, under COVID. On another note, in terms of business, small business in the city, you know, we're known for that. We're known for great startups and people being very innovative. And of course, out of these challenging times, with so much time on people's hands, they're coming up with some really pretty great ideas for startup businesses. Do you see that? At, I mean, a door is going to close and a door is going to open. Yeah, Karen, I really like the optimism of the door opening because what I see right now a lot more of is the door closing. And one of the things Milwaukee, one of its strengths has been its homegrown restaurants. And those have really taken a beating. And as they come back again, it's really hard to run a restaurant at 25 or 50% capacity. And so again, consumer confidence returns and hopefully those restaurants will come back. But I also, hopefully, we see new ways in which people are delivering services and business pops up to take advantage of some of the challenges that have come about because of COVID. And of course, all that's going to take funding, and you hope that returns again as the economy comes back. My guest today is Tim Sheehy, and we are going to take a quick break and come back. He is the president of the MMAC, and uh, when we come back, Tim, let's talk about education 
in the city, the impact of COVID, what we see going forward. And of course, I've got, you know, um, a lot of friends who are saying, oh my God, my kids are going to be home longer. <laughs> and, then I, and then, you know, I, and other ones that are saying they're missing the, the experience. And it's, it is uncertain. And I know that people are really um, challenged with not having graduations and all of the different things that have to go together with education. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Tim Sheehy. He is the president of the Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce, and he is very active in the school system within Milwaukee. And Tim, you talked about uncertainty. Boy, if that isn't uncertainty, and if we can look at it from a, a personal venue, and we can look at it from a business and a community, but also the education the education and the funding, because I know that schools depend on international students coming into the city where they pay full tuition. And of course, that doesn't look like anyone's going to be very comfortable coming into our city, into our country to get their formal education. Yeah, so it's a really points out the interrelated uh, challenge of uh, education um, as a part of our economy. And so just from a base perspective, uh, the K-12 system, the college system, clearly they're closed through the end of the school year here, and that rolls into summer school and it rolls into daycare and other things. So you have the related impact of uh, families that have to juggle uh, differing schedules and childcare arrangements. Um, and if school is out or out for some period of time, uh, that impacts uh, how people work from home and the need to work from home or work remotely. So that's one impact. Uh, then we look at the K-12 system here in the city of Milwaukee. And unfortunately for too many kids, they've lost the school year uh, starting in uh, March uh, when schools started to close. Um, and many of the, um, uh, of the K-12 uh, learning opportunities never returned um, and kids are uh, being um, educated, basically providing enrichment, which is not going to get them on grade level. And so this is going to be a long-term impact in the city as kids lose this year. Do they lose the summer school? What happens with next year? Um, and a lot of these schools were just not prepared for online learning um, and didn't stand it up very well, quite frankly. So that's a big concern. And then you look at the colleges and universities. Now, I think Marquette's uh, set its plans for coming back, but they're concerned about bringing back students in the fall, having them in the dorms and having an outbreak. Um, but I think that will uh, sort itself out, uh, but it is both a big e economic impact to the community um, if we don't have kids coming back uh, to live on campus. And then certainly for the universities, um, that's a big financial and a big fiscal issue. So there's lots to unpack when it relates to uh, education and the impact that COVID has had already uh, and may have as we go through the fall and hopefully don't see another resurgence. You know, there's so many, well, children are in homes and some parents are really in a better position to help them with homework and to guide them and other parents are not. What is the impact going to be on kids taking their SATs or being ready for college or ready to go from primary school to middle school and how 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 will they even make those determinations and how we can't put the impact 
on parents. Parents never for a minute thought that they were going to have to be teaching new math and teaching some of the things that, you know, are, are, are really quite difficult. And in addition to that, a lot of parents, a lot of families have one computer. Parents for who were working at home were trying to juggle homework and maybe they've got three or four kids that needed that computer. So it's, it's really, I see that as, um, a difficult impact on a parent who feels that they may not have, they may have failed and not been able to help. I see it on the children who are so competitive in school and may want it, may have wanted to be in some business classes or in theater or things to help them with their resumes. Um, all of that may even go away if, if economically the schools can't afford those pieces. Yeah, and I, I give you kind of a macro business answer and a micro business answer. The macro business answer is um, coming into the COVID crisis uh, here in the Milwaukee area, uh, unemployment was under 3%. We had 35,000 unfilled job openings um, and you had almost 10,000 people a day turning 65. So the demographics were running away from us. We come out of this COVID crisis and whether the recovery is a V or a swoosh um, or a U, um, we're going to run back into those same challenges. And so businesses are very focused on um, building uh, the skills of their current workforce, but also looking downstream at the talent that's coming in. So any um, hiccup in the talent pipeline is going to have uh, an, an impact on uh, companies, um, employers, and the economy going forward. And then you think about it from a micro perspective, and if I've got employees working remotely that I'm hoping to bring back into my uh, office or onto my plant floor, and now they have an unsettled uh, educational, whether it's K-12 or college um, situation, um, and some schools are talking about next year, if they can only come back at 50% capacity, does part of the, do part of the students come on Tuesday, part on Wednesday, uh, on, part on Monday, part on Tuesday, they close the school on Wednesday and clean it, and then reverse the schedule on Thursday and Friday. And if you have kids in different schools, it's really going to throw um, childcare into a real challenge. And so that's going to affect, again, our, our, our current workforce. So um, again, the, the focus really needs to be on, A, getting people back to school, but also on what we're going to do to really bolster what has been a weak link, which is the ability to do some online and distance learning and do it effectively. And again, I think this is where there is a wide range of disparity in terms of how it's affecting kids in the Milwaukee area, and it's how, how it's affecting some of the kids in the city. You know, Tim, I, I am in Florida right now, and I've gone out to dinner once or twice, and all the, all the restaurants have um, social distancing, and it felt extremely safe. It, was, it felt okay. Um, but I happened to take a drive down a little bit deeper into the city and the, all the, the bars that were open were jammed with kids. There was no social distancing with the kids going on at all. And I see that as probably one of the things that is, is more difficult is trying to get the millennials and even in that, I, I don't know, what is it? Maybe the, the 21 years old to the 30 years old or whatever that age group is or in there to really understand the importance of being in smaller groups. It seems like they have a deaf ear to it. Well, and I, I think in part of that is, um, you know, the vibrance of, of youth um, and maybe the naivete of youth. But 
there have been no deaths under 20, uh, at least as far as I can tell, from COVID-19. Um, so they don't feel that it affects them. The problem is, as we all know about this, is you know, kind of carrying this to somebody else that it does have an impact on. Um, and so I think that's gonna continue to be um, a reverse generational challenge um, as we deal with, with COVID. And again, I'm back again to my uh, theme here about consumer and employee confidence. And if people are gonna return to the workplace and return to places of business, they're gonna to wanna to see a lot of those protocols put in place, um, whether or not they affect the age group that is most affected by this or the age group that isn't. Uh, because uh, as somebody noted uh, more recently, this is like uh, uh, being in the deep end of a pool and having little kids in the shallow end of the pool and little kids do what they do um, and it circulates in the water. And so at some point, we have to realize we're all in this together. Yes. I know that when I was watching the cutest little video on Facebook not long ago, and it was, it was little toddlers, like in daycare type situation. And there were two boys and two girls and they would each hug each other. Then they'd see the other one. And they went over and they hugged each other. And <clears throat> then they kissed on the cheek and they were licking their fingers. And that's the issue with the smaller children. We're so social. Um, I hug. I love to hug everybody. I'm wondering if I'll ever be able to hug again. But that's the problem, I think, with a lot of the schools and a lot of the things. Even now, you know, it's that personal space. You have to really think about it. Oh, I can't shake hands. I can't hug. And it's a whole different type of learning. But young kids, I, I have an 18-year-old granddaughter, and she's going crazy that she can't be social. And it isn't enough for them to be on social media. I mean, they like to sit down and chat and talk and, and do different things. So it is a challenge because we've sort of brought our kids up to be social because we're social. Yeah, I know we're closing up here, but um, I'm hopeful this is something that doesn't stick long-term. Um, I know I've had my fill of uh, Zoom uh, webcasts and podcasts <laughs> and uh, virtual meetings. Um, and I really miss uh, the human interaction from a business perspective, a social perspective, um, and, a, and a personal perspective. So again, hopefully there's a vaccine out there um, and we move forward and we get through this crisis and we look back on it uh, with the lessons we needed to have learned, but we don't lose the interaction that I think is important to all of us. My guest today is Timothy Sheehy. He is the president of the MMAC, and we have been talking about the impact of COVID-19 on Milwaukee, our businesses, on our communities, and as individuals and as families. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and the senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group, and I am truly grateful that I have been able to do this show, Money Sense, for just about 30 years now, and we've always really kept it aligned with education. And this is a time where I felt that not only did we want to have education, of course, on the financial end of life, but this is a time where there was so much stuff out there in the media that was hard to interpret that I thought really bringing some clarity to many of, this, many of the different subjects were really important. And today, my guest is Tim Sheehy, and he is the president of the Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce. And we have been talking about some of the impacts 
in Milwaukee. And I know, Tim, during the break, we talked about people are always saying, well, I wonder what the new normal is going to look like. And um, will anything ever come back? Or is it going to is it going to just be a strange land that we have to navigate again? No, and I, you know, kind of talking to a number of CEOs of large businesses in Milwaukee about their plans to bring back people that work remotely. Um, and Northwestern Mutual is a good example. If they have 150 people on campus today out of 6,000, um, you see the challenge of bringing people back. But if you're the CEO standing there in a hazmat suit welcoming your employees back, it doesn't feel very comfortable uh, to them. And so uh, one of the things that uh, everybody is going through is looking at their office footprint, how it's set up. Uh, will real estate operate the same as it did? Density used to be king. Is that going to be an issue? And so you think about people in large high-rise buildings. Um, are there, if they have to go, you know, three or four in an elevator versus 20, how long does it take to get to my office if it's going to stop on every floor so I don't have to push a button? What does that mean? Uh, do people in those offices operate differently than I do? How safe is it? So I think real estate is one of the areas that's going to be challenged to find its way through uh, the new normal and to see what is, again, temporary um, and what's permanent. We're opening up um, a brand new food hall uh, downtown on the avenue, and I've seen what's happened to food halls all across the country. Um, and there's a mixed bag in terms of, is that, is that a kind of uh, product that's going to come back? And then others saying, no, it may be the first product that comes back uh, because they're lower rent, they're easy to do, uh, but when will people feel comfortable engaging them in a group? Uh, and so these are all different aspects, I think, moving through um, our economy here uh, that we have to uh, deal with. The airlines are going to run into the same challenge. And will we continue to have, for example, Milwaukee, will we have the same air service we've always had? Or is that air service going to shrink? And what about smaller communities now? Are they going to have the air service? Or are they going to end up with small jets flying to larger uh, cities to, to connect people. So lots of different aspects to think about here. Well, and I, and I think about it, as I was talking to you earlier, we're looking for new space and you start to think about, do I really want to purchase something? Do I want to renew leases? Do we want to own something? Uh, there's going to be empty doors, I think, around and what will they fill up with? It may be new businesses that are businesses that are going to be more aligned with what the world looks like now. Oh, that's true. And I think the wild card is, you know, is there a vaccine in six months? Do we learn something new about COVID-19 and this becomes a blip? But it has certainly, I think, impacted companies and how they think about their physical workplace. And in, again, some larger markets around the United States, I saw that uh, during this COVID crisis, uh, traffic uh, in San Francisco is down 92%. Um, and of a couple months of not having to sit for hours in a commute, uh, a lot of companies, Twitter is one of them, have made a decision, if you can work from home, keep working from home. Uh, and so what impact does that have on uh, cities and how they're structured? And again, the benefit of density. The flip side of that, of course, is how much can we do virtually? And what are we missing from that close interaction in an office and in a community that's really driven a lot of the innovation and a lot of the new startups uh, that uh, the, the world has benefited from. You know, Tim, just from my point of view of working with clients, 
we've been doing all of ours over Zoom as well, all of our updates and our quarterly uh, reviews. But there's something so lacking by not being right in front of somebody and talking to them and seeing you can you can see so many more things than you can see and you can feel more things to ask different types of questions. So I hope that we go back to being a people to people and not computer to computer. No, that's true. And I, I think, again, some of this is going to come back, but I think some has been a permanent change. Um, and again, talking to a lot of uh, CEOs of companies, how much time they've spent or they've had their key folks spend on a plane two or three hours to visit a customer. Um, and can some of that be done just as effectively on a video basis? And I think some of those ways and rules of doing business have been broken for good. Other aspects of this are going to continue and come back. When I look at our company and I look at other people that I have talked to that own businesses, one of the concerns is how to emphasize and how to uh, employees that they have to be proactive and responsible and to our community that we're all ready to get out there. But if you're not feeling good, don't go out there. But people need to work and they want to go back to work. And yet helping people to become more responsible about health and the exposure to other people, I think is really important. Is there, how can we do that? How can we help our employees, our family, our neighbors, our community to take responsibility for being cautious and not being part of the problem of spreading this? Well, I, I think the first answer is we're all citizens first. And the second part of the answer is nobody wants to revisit the safer at home and the very blunt instruments to shut down businesses that were put in place to flatten the curve of, of COVID and to make sure our healthcare systems weren't overrun. And so nobody wants to revisit the restrictive nature of those imposed restrictions from government. And so I, I think the best answer to that is if we want to avoid those situations going forward, then we have to be good citizens, we have to be good partners, we have to good, be good team members. And so when people come back into a workspace and they leave their office and they're going to have to wear a mask in a common area, it may not be comfortable, but it is far more comfortable than the reverse of having businesses closed because of the fear of a resurgence of a pandemic. And so I think that's really what's going to govern folks. And, and again, in the democracy, we have a great choice to make. We can take this on on our own or we can have it imposed by, by a, a government. Uh, and we're in a much better position, I think, to do that uh, than uh, most uh, uh, governmental uh, structures around uh, the world. They may have an advantage because they can move more quickly. Uh, but again, hopefully, personal responsibility is what um, makes this work here in the U.S. Uh, we don't have too much time left. And I'd like to spend just a little bit of time on some of the good things that have come out of this. Some, it seems our community has really stepped up to the, stepped up to all of this. It is united and really has helped people who need help and I always say, when you lift up someone, you lift up yourself. No, that's very true. And I think uh, very quickly of Quad Graphics and their pivot from printing paper to printing masks. Um, I look at a company uh, like Husco, uh, which retooled their line uh, to produce uh, protective equipment. Um, lots of really good examples of companies uh, that have stepped into the breach 
a smaller company here named Apple Spice that has turned their catering business into delivering food to frontline workers. So lots of really creative ways. City Forward Collective, great organization in the city that's raised almost a million dollars to help students with distance learning, connecting to the internet, and learning how to run schools in this COVID or post-COVID environment. So some really great examples of people that have taken a business and pivoted to meet this challenge. And we've seen it within many of the restaurants and the communities and teachers, people who saw a need and were willing to embrace it and to help make a difference, which has been just, it's just been wonderful to see that. My guest today is Tim Sheehy. And as I said earlier, he's the president of the MMAC right here in Milwaukee. Tim, it has been just wonderful to interview you. I know that you are busy, so I know that it, it took time to do this, but I appreciate your insight into some of the things that are going on. So have a great day. Thank you, Karen, and thanks for the great show. Thank you for tuning in to our COVID-19 edition of Money Sense. Our goal is to provide valuable information so that you can feel more confident in your financial decisions. You can listen to this show and any that you may have missed at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. To discuss these topics and more with one of our wealth advisors, call us at 262 691 3200 or visit ellenbecker.com for a complimentary consultation.